0: You're listening to iFanboy Talksplode with Tom King and Mitch Garretts. I'm the king of rock, the none higher. Fire. Sucker MCs should call me sire. sire. To sire. burn my kingdom, you must choose fire. fire. I won't stop rock until I retire. Now we rock dark party and come correct. All cuts are on time and rhythm connect. Got the right to vote and we'll elect. And other rappers can't stand us, but give us respect. Hey, this is Josh Flanagan from iFanboy.com here with a Talksplode episode. TalkSplode is our comic creator interview podcast that I don't do all that often anymore, so if you don't remember it, that's not on you, that's on me. Uh, but today, uh, we have uh, writer Tom King and artist Mitch Gerards of Sheriff of Baghdad from Vertigo. You may also know Tom from Vision or, uh, what's that other, Batman. He writes Batman, and and Mitch uh, did the activity, and he did Punisher for a while, so uh there, there's some uh, some big name guys uh, who have come up in the industry and uh, we're here to talk to them about their books and working together and all that fun stuff so let's get to it I'm here today with two creators of comic books I'm here with Tom King
2: hello hello oh so
0: and Mitch Garrett's
2: howdy howdy you nailed it
0: yeah
1: that's your name you've been lying to me this whole
0: time he's <laughs> calling you genre. I
2: give everyone a different version <laughs>
0: That's cool. That works totally for me. <laughs> um, so we we have been talking about this for a long time, and uh, because of me, uh, it didn't happen for a while. Uh, you guys had other stuff going on, so it was fine. But but we persevered, and, and here we are to talk about uh, about your lives in comics at this point. I think that's that's the way I want to I want to frame this. So I hope that's not too big for you. <laughs> is that all we have to discuss? <laughs> yeah. Well, no. Okay. So here's the deal. To me, the, the thing universe. about this story is that. I, I've known both of you for a while before you know uh, you were who you are now in, in in terms of like your comic book professional status. And I find that really interesting because you know, Tom, you are you are heading some big books up now. You know, Mitch, you're, 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 you're approaching veteran status. I think you can, you've, you've got a bunch of... <laughs> wow. You drew the Punisher. I mean, so you've got that all. into. So from the last time that I talked to both of you, and if you go back in the iFanboy archives, you can find conversations with both of them, you know, things have changed a lot. And I, and I think that that is super interesting. So um, I well, guess...
1: Yeah, I started on the iFanboy boards. That was like my first thing I ever wrote about comic books was writing reviews for iFanboy, unsolicited reviews for your iFanboy.
0: Yeah, those. Wow. Do you think that that helped you in any way? Uh, my, the, the first comic book,
1: I, like, actual comic book I ever wrote was for a uh, Paul Montgomery write in fairy tale contest or something? I remember that. Jeez. That was the first, like I was like, panel one I ever put down on a piece of paper. I
0: don't think I knew that. That's amazing.
1: So I come, I come, I'm my fanboy original. We did something. That's great.
0: Um, so let's, how did you two get together on this? Uh, on this sheriff of Babylon, which is not sheriff of Baghdad, but like, did, were you put together by editorial, or or, or were, you, were you? Oh, we met at a show, and we've always wanted to work together, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, uh, no. But again, this is this is sort of there's an I, I hate to bring it back, but there is an I fanboy connection because I knew Mitch's work from you guys spotlighting him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you guys had done one of your artist spotlight thing abouters. Yep. Um, and and I remember like he did like the Captain America tying the boot. Is that true? Sounds True.
0: Funny. That sounds
2: familiar. That is, yeah. That's
1: what I'm yeah, I remember it's such a gorgeous, one of the best Captain America images ever.
2: Oh, um, yeah, that so was like, back for the late great comic twort.
1: Yeah. And so, so I was, I, I had come to, I had pitched this idea to Vertigo a long time ago, and, um, and it had been approved and rejected and approved and rejected, gone through a bunch, and then finally, when Grayson hit, did well. They're like, okay, let's go ahead with this, and they went, we went through a bunch of artists and and everyone said no except Mitch, so we're like, oh, I guess we'll take what it's done. No. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when, he came, when when they threw Mitch, they're like, how about Mitch? It was like, yeah, that's exactly perfect. Don't go any farther. That's it. who should be on this book. It was, it was, he's one of the best military artists of all time. So. And now I do think he's the best. So now he does my shit.
0: So, well, let me ask you about that, Mitch. What do you think yeah. about being thought of as a military artist? Eat that Joe Hubert. You hack. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, modern, modern, <laughs> modern. I'm, st- I'm, st- I'm sticking by it, man. I- Your stuff is so brilliant.
2: Oh, thank you. No, I'm. I totally. I love that. That's you know, it's my wheelhouse. Was that because what, I enjoy doing it? Was that so what you wanted? Like, a,
0: like, were you going for that?
2: Did you think maybe I can find um, this niche? No, not really. I think. I think after I did. So I had done the activity, which was a, you know a special operations book. Which then got me into Punisher, which is a military guy with guns. Like mm-hmm. I think that's when it clicked for me of like, oh, I actually really just enjoy doing this stuff and I feel like I have a lot to bring to that table. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe at that point I did decide that maybe I'm gonna make this my niche. Maybe this is gonna be the route.
0: And you're and you're are you cool with that? Or are you like, I really wanna do the Fantastic
2: Four? No, I'm totally cool with it. I mean I still have my huge comic book aspirations, because I'm still a total nerd, but um, especially with Sheriff, I just... There's so much heart and soul in that book, it's really hard to envision doing anything different at the moment.
0: Well, and, and I want to... I'll get into it now, because what the heck, because we're talking about the book, but I was just reading the last issue, and I, I was looking through with it, and I, and I know, like, if I'm an if I'm an artist, a lot of that is
2: people talking, and so... Yeah, which, which is... The wonderful challenge of the book, like Tom, like the the issue I'm doing now—no spoilers. There's uh, a big talking scene, and Tom <laughs> writes this little apology at the top of the script. <laughs> and I'm like, oh God, what am, am I drawing? Like seven pages of a crowd, and then no. But it was just like this wonderful challenge of making it interesting mm-hmm. to show people talking. And like uh, issue five of Sheriff was. 22 pages of two people having a conversation with barely any movement. They're just sitting there. And it was both the thing I'm most proud of in my career and, like, uh, it was just a wonderful artistic challenge to bring that to life. And, like, Tom's scripts always have some sort of wonderful challenge for me. And I love it.
0: How do you guys divide up? So, I mean, so I've, I was that was the issue that I was just looking at. And, I mean, they're basically a bunch of rigid grids of, uh, and I'm going to come back to Tom about the grids with you, because I have questions. But, um... <laughs> a bunch no of rigid Tom. grids, and and basically a, a face and shoulders for a lot of the a lot of it. Like, how much of that you know, is, it, like, how do you script that in a way that says, do this or do that, or, or how much is left to you, and, and how do you approach it, and like, I have to make this more interesting, and what do you have to work with?
2: This is really for both
0: of you to work out in front of me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, um... Tom's pretty, like, his scripts are pretty open. Uh, And (laughs) if he does write a specific camera angle or something in there, he generally doesn't get mad at me if I change it. Though maybe he's just being nice to me and he's yelling at Jamie, our editor. Yes, it's uh... (laughs) behind your back screaming. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, no, Tom leaves them pretty open. And I, I, I say this with trepidation because sometimes you can make these quotes and people think... People can take it a different way, but I I envision when I do a comic like it's a TV show or a movie, Mm -hmm. I envision the camera. And so, not because I, I ultimately want it to be that. I'm still doing a comic book. But that's just how I see storytelling. So I just kind of read that scene and I figure out, how I want that scene to look through my camera, and mm-hmm. I hate using that term too because no, I, Gabe Hardman Gabe Hardman will yell at you if you call your mom really? The camera. Really? Oh yeah, uh, he doesn't like it. Well, yeah, but as long as well, the actions- I've got
1: scripts all the time, is that really a thing? I put camera here, camera there.
2: Yeah, no, I love it because that's how that's how I I approach books. Like because storytelling is the utmost number one thing for me, and so I need to make that part not only flow easy for the reader to read, but I also need to make it interesting.
0: And so, like, I mean, does it say, like, this is a nine-panel grid, they all, you know, it's just repeating faces, or are you making that call as an artist?
2: Uh, I mean, he'll put, you know, break down the panels, Mm -hmm. and often uh, I'll change, if it's anything from seven... Through eight, I'll immediately make it a nine-panel page. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if it's seven, maybe I'll go down to six sometimes. But, no, it's, it's mostly just the description of what's happening in the panel and dialogue. And that's it. And then it's up to me to figure out where I want to move that camera in or out or mm-hmm. above or whatever.
0: And, that's, and that is, uh, it's just so different than if you think about what, what Frank Castle is where <laughs> It's yeah. like blowing up a lot of shit, and, and and that's one of the things that I really like about comic book storytelling, is that there used to be the idea that you're just wasting a comic book page by doing something like that, and I don't buy that anymore. And I think you're showing sure no, yeah. that that's that that's a thing. W- w- let me now, Tom, you've, I've this grid, you're the nine panel grid. Or the Gibbonsing, as I like to think. No, um, I don't think of it that stupid. Um, but I've seen that in Omega Man. I've seen that in The Vision. Yeah. I've seen a lot of that in Sheriff. Um, I mean, are you are, are you just going back to that grid a lot because you like how it works, or does it just happen to show up?
1: Well, mostly because no one will let me use a sixteen panel grid without slapping it. So <laughs> <laughs> nine, nine panels like my fallback. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I I. It's it's, well. Two things. First, I I I have no idea that that my scripts were open. I always feel my scripts are fairly closed off compared to like when I read other people's scripts. Like I never have pages that are like the next two pages will be a fight scene. You do it like I'm always like this number of panels and stuff. That's interesting. Um, But uh, yeah, I I like comics that live inside boxes. So I usually look for artists who draw inside boxes, and um, just because it it helps me. I mean, comics are all about the control of time, right? Like that's obvious. Um so it, it helps me understand like where the beats are so I can when I write a comic I don't sort of I, like I say I see much more fudgy scripts for people sort of say, Okay, do what you want, you're off the lip like I have to see the page in my head to write it and put the right dialogue there to make those beats work and yeah. and go back. Um but I used to, I mean I do it differently with each book. It's like in in Omega Man I do I do the layouts for him. I tell him, Okay, the whole thing is on a nine panel grid and I tell him which ones to combine and which ones not. Uh, and that's because I was working with a brand new artist, so I didn't know, and I, he had never even done like layouts in a comic book before. So oh we that sort of, And also, I wanted to do this big thing where, like, you know, the whole all of Omega Men is every issue is a mirror issue in the whole series. So the, the first, you know, every all, all the panels mirror each other in each issue, and then the first six issues mirror the last six issues. So it was complicated to explain to him because Barnaby was a, a very good artist, but he's in Indonesia. We very rarely talk. Um, whereas in uh vision and uh sheriff i just do the number of panels and and, and hope for the best and i know if i do a nine panel it's gonna obviously they're gonna turn into a nine panel grid yeah. i didn't realize that if i did a seven or eight it also translates into that <laughs> yeah. i was like oh here i am opening it up for him you <laughs> <laughs> go crazy with the layouts <laughs> <laughs> um but, yeah, but I, I mean i'm i'm everyone knows i'm like an alan moore worshiper uh so I, I did, when I first got into comics, I went back and read his stuff, and I was like, why does this why comic book seem to take twice as long to read as other comic books take? Like, what makes, what makes you hesitate between his pages and sort of stop in places and not stop? Like, I think at the beginning of From Hell, when the guy has the epileptic seizure, um, or the... Uh, of extraordinary Gentlemen, when, when the invisible man puts on his makeup like there's like these scenes that go so slowly and quietly and i realized oh he's just using this nine panel grid again again why don't more people use this tool so i just stole it from him straight up.
0: that's fair <laughs> that's totally fair do you are you the kind of person who like i've heard bendis say like i could never work with tony harris because tony harris is a guy who's gonna use three maybe four panels on a page tops like are you not comfortable like does that not enough room for you does he do feel like that moves too fast
1: I mean, I write for. I mean, I'm doing a book with Dave Finch now, and, and uh, we're doing Batman together. And Dave is the king of the splash pages. He draws splash pages better than anybody except Mitch Gerards. Um, draws. Draws.
0: Draws. I believe. I think it's Yeah, it's. Uh, I know it. It's pronounced Mitch Humphries. Cool. That's that's Jeff
2: Parker's joke from years ago. <laughs>
0: I don't know why I remember that.
2: Well, Jeff has a lot of jokes about me. We yeah. have to talk about him.
0: Well, <laughs> uh,
1: but uh, yeah, so for, so for 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 David, I have. To, it's a much more open layout. I know if I go to a nine panels on a Dave script, I'm sort of I'm sort of screwing him over, and, and so I like try to avoid. You to adjust your artist and sort of your artist strengths. Um, and, and like writing for Mitch. Mitch does grids fantastically well and knows exactly when to merge them and when to take them apart and when to deconstruct them so um it's easy to trust them with that stuff
0: so i guess looking at that stuff so so hearing you talk about how technically you know and and knowing that you did your first script for you know thing well within you know the time that i remember and, and a thing what do you what do you know now like today I'm gonna go with Tom first. No, I, in terms of like the construction of a comic of a comic book issue or a page or something like that that you use all the time that you didn't know then.
1: I mean, I, I read every single book on how to. I read um, Eisner's book on how to construct a comic. I read O'Neill's book. I read Moore's book, and um, and I, I tried to learn from each of them, and I try to use the tricks like a, I just did a Vision issue where we opened with a big splash page with a title on it, which is which is what uh, O'Neill says you. You're supposed to open every book that way. It has to have a splash <laughs> in the beginning, and it immediately catches your eyes. Like, well, let's let's do that. Um, so, so I mean, you, I, I sort of yeah, you have to learn what the eye does and, and and how it works, and and you also have to try to copy the TV shows. You know, that's what everyone that's the that's the thing we're all doing now is try to sort of catch up with these premium TV these you know like The Wire and Game of Thrones and all those shows. So we copy the beats from there and see how they translate into comics. I don't, I don't know what I know now more than I knew then. I mean, Sheriff of Babylon. The first script is the first full script I ever wrote. The, the number number one. It's it not the first pub, first thing I ever got published. Sure. But I wrote that before Grayson. Uh, there was a spec script I wrote for Vertigo back in the day. So, um, and and you, and you can see stuff I stole there from people. Like we have we have these blackout bangs, and that's because I I went and read Why the Last Man issue one, where he starts out and he has these um, full he has he has six panel grids, and then he does black panels. Where he'll give a he'll give a title thing, and so I I took that black panel from White Last Man issue one. Um, so you, you, I I steal
0: from all over the place. So you're time. a real student of <laughs> comics. I don't think I that actually really makes sense. I think when I think about your work, and I don't mean that in a bad way. You say steal. That's you know, that's creator way of, of speaking. That's how you build something new, um, <laughs> which is which is kind of cool. That's interesting. Uh, Mitch. So I guess same thing for you. I mean you. I think when I first met you, you hadn't done a ton of sequential stuff, and now you have done a lot. I mean, you've been... You've been <laughs> how long have you sort of been full-time making comics? Because I think you were oh. still doing illustration the first time we talked. So. Yeah.
2: I think just comics, it's been six years Jesus, now. But the the, kind, the thing that I love about my career so far is that I've been very fortunate in that everything I've done, with the exception of like a couple of little things here and there, has been really kind of lengthy runs which not a lot of guys get to do and yeah i really like kind of the decompressed getting to tell a big story so yeah um as far as what i've learned or, I, mean, I mean what do you th- do
0: differently now than you did then just because you know better
2: um I, the sheriff is a whole new thing of me knowing better um <laughs> could you have done um, it when you were younger no okay um So, Sheriff, uh, Activity and Punisher were both big action movies. And they were all, especially Punisher, where I felt like I was doing a big Marvel comic. So, I went kind of bombastic with some panels. And every once in a while, I I don't like to do it too much. But for Punisher, I did a couple times where I would break a a panel grid just to make it look cool. You know, I was doing the big Marvel comic thing. Mm -hmm. And then now with Sheriff, like, I've learned so much about just telling the story and giving respect to the reader giving respect to the characters giving respect to the fact that it's you know quasi truthful you know it's you know quote quote real story about a time and a place that actually happened and so uh, it, it's just a lot of learning of being more subdued and learning more about facial tics and giving every character some sort of little trait so you remember them even if it's not even if it's not in your face but something subliminal. And so the sheriff's been a huge learning opportunity for me and like I'm super super excited every time I get to do an issue.
0: It's interesting. I always tend to refer to that as acting. I don't know if anybody else does that, but I always notice oh, or sure, yeah. are, are acting and I mean with that it's a comic book trope that you don't always people don't always have to differentiate between their white blonde people because they have big costumes on. So you've got yeah. to make, you know, faces and bodies yep. and, and things that are different. Um,
2: and, and especially acting is very appropriate because the way I work is I take a ton of photo reference. 99% of the time me in front of my webcam doing something stupid. But I I, I act out every scene in the book. So, like, there is actual acting <laughs> happening. And if anyone ever hacks into my photo archive, I'm screwed. But, uh,
0: Yeah. Or someone can make an amazing photo comic. Yeah, exactly. You
2: can go that way. Just,
0: <laughs> just kidding. There's no such thing as an amazing photo comic. Thank you, John. John Byrne's
1: next big work is going to be the Mitch Garrod story. Garret's, Garret's, Garret's. Oh god. Garret's.
0: I like this. Um, well, let me ask you another thing. Because if you're doing a lot of photo reference of yourself and things like that, um, when I was reading, when I was reading Sheriff, um, there's a lot of Middle Eastern faces, and most you know yep. a lot of them, and you know there's white people too, but. Okay. that's something i was wondering about like how are you how are you getting those faces where where are they coming from they they don't you know they they look middle eastern like are are you are you looking up photos and or, or do you have people in mind or stuff you use for it
2: yeah i mean the, the photo reference i take of me is just about body language and facial cues and dialogue cues and stuff like that whereas i'm still drawing in like creating the the actual personalities and figures. So it's just a lot of, you know, like I, 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 I spend so much time researching. Um, I research a page four times as long as it takes me to draw it. But so I, I just, you know, I, I learn about the people from all that research and just my own personal interest in the topic and all that. So it's mostly just creating these people out of thin air and then applying them to whatever stupid action I'm doing at the time. but
0: Is that, was that, was that, like, I would think that'd be difficult. Unless, I mean, unless you've been drawing sort of different people all the time, but, you know, most people are just drawing, most people in American mainstream comics are just drawing, you know, different white guy faces, and and you've really got to do a different thing there. And, yeah, uh, and I, what I'm saying actually, is it's cool, and I, I admire it. So I'm wondering no, how you got it's, there. It's
2: one of my absolute favorite parts about the book is that it's about, a culture and a people that are real and we don't know a lot about. And what we do know about, you know, the vast majority of us, including me, only really know it from American media. So it's it's nice to get Tom's take, who, who knows a little better than some of us, and it's nice to get the take of some of my friends and acquaintances who know a little better and just kind of really tell the story about the people because they're not all... They're, they're all different just like we're all different
0: now now Tom, let me ask you this because the book is I know that you have uh you've got a very interesting history and the first time you told me about what it was I thought you were kidding um <laughs> me uh, too and, 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 said my wife. yeah and and um you were you were you were working for the CIA uh oh. and you were in as far you know as far as I know uh if you were in Iraq and, and so I mean obviously this is where that comes from but one of the things that I notice when I read it is that it feels? It feels very alien, and, a, and a, in a good in a good way. Like it, it's supposed like oh, this is a very different place in a different culture. Is that what you were trying to get at, or, or are you, do you feel like you're still? Are you still trying to understand what that place is, or do you feel like you actually do know?
1: Yeah, no, I I, I definitely do not know, um, and I'm still trying to get at it. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I try to describe everything in the book as someplace I've actually been or something I had seen or something mm-hmm. sort of realistic. Um, the book nicely gets approved by the CIA, so I know I'm not going to get um, killed or, or not killed, but not get arrested.
0: Um, did you so get I, uncomfortable I, there for a second, Mitch? Because I did. I, <laughs> you're in the crosshairs too, buddy. Oh, God.
1: Uh, 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 I don't know. They still don't approve that latest one. We'll see how that goes. And uh, yeah, but so, so yeah, everything is based. I mean, it be I mean, part of this is me dealing with my own shit of having gone through that and, sure. and, and sort of working those issues out, which is why I think you know all good comics should be it should be it should be bleeding onto the page and sort of putting your hopes and fears into it. Uh, but I, I mean, I, I should ca- caveat like, I feel like people are gonna be in our audience who actually served in Iraq and served there for years. I was there for six months, so or five, five months, mm-hmm. uh, in the spring and summer of 2004 which is the time i write about so i only write about the exact time i was there so hopefully i don't get anything wrong at least uh, from what i remember and uh yeah i mean the the idea was to, to give you the it was supposed to be a sort of it was a casablanca taste because that's what it felt like being there it felt like you were in a weird casablanca place where like the normal rules of human society don't apply here but we're kind of trying to apply them here so it creates this weird double standard of like uh, we don't have laws, but we kind of have fake laws. And how real are those laws? And brings up all this sort of philosophy. I mean, that, and that's the whole point. Is like that's why it's called Sheriff of Babylon because there is no sheriff, there is no law here. And this is how can you have a crime story in a place that there is no law? There's no government. There's no anyone to tell you not to do things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so yeah, it's a combination of those things. Hopefully, it somewhat reflects what, what happened.
0: Did you, did you know what it was going to be in full when you pitched it? Or were you, or, I mean, are you working still from sort of a, you said something to me about you, you don't outline, you don't sort of.
1: Yeah, so that, that's unique. So this book is unique among all the things I've wrote. So what happened, there's just a the backstory. Is I don't think I've ever said this. In an interview before, so here it's exclusive. Uh,
0: oh boy! What,
1: what happened? know really, it's really—it's gonna, gonna—it's going definitely hit you. The papers tomorrow, right? That was
0: that was such a shitty thing for me to say, but I feel comfortable <laughs> with you both. Oh, so, oh, no, I understand. That was more about the comic book media than any of you. That was like, oh yeah, it's exclusive, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: right. It's
0: drive sales, amazing. Uh,
1: it's, so, I, I pitched this series, Sheriff, to both Vertigo and my litter agent at the exact same time, and they both said yes. I wrote the first issue of it and then Vertigo got stalled on some whatever and so I just started writing the novel and I wrote the novel for a year and when I finished the novel they said okay we're ready to, Vertigo said we're ready to go ahead and publish your script and I was like well I, I'm doing a novel for my literary agent and I sort of had a choice if I wanted to publish it as a novel or as a comic book and I chose comic books so the the outline for this, this story the first 12 issues is a novel that I've already written mm-hmm. so that makes it both easier and harder to write it's kind yeah. of it's like it's a it's a bizarre transcription of choosing like what goes in what go, what what works what doesn't work editing myself as i go along so there is sort of a, an outline but it's actually like every it's a prose it's it's nothing and the the actual original thing was not written from an outline it was written just straight ahead go ahead from my head yeah but i generally don't use outlines that's a long answer for that question I, know like, <laughs> now I really want to read the novel
2: <laughs>
1: no because then you'll find out what happens you'll be like tom oh, i'm out <laughs>
2: Do you not? Do you not know what happened? I'm drawing it. I think I we had a we had a very long talk at WonderCon, and I think I know the most of it. Do you want to know? Um, half and half. I mean, as like as someone who's a fan of it, as a fan, I definitely want to know. Um, but I feel like not knowing may help the art a little bit. So
0: okay, I can see that. But so I guess we're not gonna have Easter eggs, not that you know of. That's why you had me draw that <laughs> thing there. Oh, my God. You're
2: genius. There is a lot of that where, like, uh, stuff I'll have drawn, which I thought was, you know, oh, it's just a little element or a character that I didn't think was going to be a big deal. Early on, all of a sudden comes back, and it's, like, a pretty big deal. I was like, oh, oh, <laughs> I've got to go research what I did back then and make it better.
0: You guys you guys seem to have a very good relationship with one another. and It's and- all... So we're, we're hiding a horrible yeah. animosity. <laughs> well, He's all right. But at the same time, well, I mean, like, there's a there's a thing in comics, and I've seen it a million times, when the creative team likes each other and they get along, the work is magnified. And even if you're working through, I mean, you're working through Vertigo, so you've got an editor and the whole process and everything, but are you guys still communicating directly a lot?
2: Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll hit each other up on, you know, the normal social media outlets, mm-hmm. texting, stuff like that and
1: we're co I mean, this is a sheriff is co-owned and co-created by the two of us so everything in it is as much mitch's as mine and mine is mitch's hopefully so and we're partners in the whole thing
0: that's awful sweet that's Ooh. nice <laughs> <laughs> except um, that it's mine and i'm the writer and writers do everything <laughs> oh
2: no it came out it's been, it's been so long. you know well, what this is gonna end up somewhere
0: no that's a real thing that's interesting. You know, we were talking about, like, sort of where you started, you know, however many years, six, six seven years ago, into where we are now. And that conversation has changed greatly, I think, at least in terms of sort of how we present creative teams and what the writer does and when, whatever. I mean, are you guys – I assume that you had this all worked out ahead of time and, and you're all happy with our deal, I guess. I don't know what the question was there.
1: Um, no, but I think when, when they came to me with Mitch, they said, Tom, do you want to present an offer to him where you pay – you pay you own the property and don't bring him in as a partnership that was an option they presented to me and i said no i want him to say yes Mm -hmm. don't tell him that
2: (laughs) are you kidding that's ridiculous Uh, i I want him to be as invested in this as he possibly can which yeah because i remember when jamie pitched it to me on the phone i remember he ended the phone call with there's a chance he'll let you own some of it (laughs) all right (laughs)
0: We're finding out now that you, you didn't have to give him anything. You would have done it.
1: Man, I could have all that great share of residual money. <laughs>
0: myself. It's, it's going to be the next Walking Dead. Just hang on. Just hang on. We're hang-
1: so, how, so, There's a ton of TV stuff, though. We get approached all the time by the TV stuff. Mm-hmm. This is the first property I've had that sort of headache to deal with.
0: Have you had Have you had another creator-owned series?
1: No, and I don't know if this counts as creator owned. I have to. I, we go. I go back and forth on whether this uh-huh. counts as creator owned.
0: It's like co-creator owned, I guess. Not, it, not, not
1: co creator!
0: Not co, but like whatever it means when the company owns part of it. The the, the virtual yeah. thing.
1: Yeah, um, it's like it's better than working. It's better than Vision, not quite as good as Boom, and much worse than Image. Right. <laughs> it's like there's like a scale to the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> no
0: one ever talks like that. That's fun. <laughs> it's it's much worse than the image, but also not in its way. Um, but also not. Yeah. Um. So now now this is this feels like a like a deep heavy thing. You've got to get into it. Do you approach this book writing this book in the same way that you do Vision or 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 Batman? I guess going forward, or is is it feel like a completely different process, or, or is it all just mechanics for you?
1: No, well, it's different. Everyone's different. You got to write the issue that's in front of you, like, and you just as as a writer, the, the big difference is for me. Um, f- first of all, the dialogue has to not add up to everything. Like in less in Vision, but but in 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 Batman or Grayson, like like big superhero comics, like every piece of dialogue is in service to the plot. It's not supposed to be realistic. I mean, you try it as much as you can make it as realistic as possible, mm-hmm. but on some level it, it has to be expository uh, because you're appealing to such a wide audience uh, and, and a wide range age range where you want 11-year-olds to read your book and also people my age to read your book. Uh, whereas in Sheriff, we're dealing with, with sort of real people who are having real conversations. So, like, I can put... When you and I have a conversation, like just now, I started a sentence, I didn't finish it. I started a totally different new sentence, and I got a weird is going. Like, it the, the doesn't add the the actual words don't add up in the same logical way in a comic book. They kind of have to add up, um, so you have to approach it differently from that. Just
0: in terms of dialogue. So, on a given day, are you like, I can't, I can't work on this today?
1: <laughs> yeah, but mostly that's mostly that's a PTSD problem. I swear <laughs> to God, it's like wait, I,
0: real I, I PTSD or the sort of vernacular PTSD?
1: I mean, I wouldn't say, I mean, as I don't know what counts as real. I mean, I was there, you know, people shot at me and tried to blow me up. So I have some, some. Club yeah. PTSD. Uh But yeah, I mean, like we were doing this, this last issue, uh, the one that's going to come out next, eight, has some very intense scenes. That, seven. Seven, sorry, seven, yeah. Eight has intense scenes too. <laughs> yep. Uh but seven i mean i working a little like heart palpitations where i was just working on it and you know it was you know the fan was turning into a helicopter and i was dancing in my underwear and no but that's <laughs> but, but no but when you, when you, ptsd like what ptsd is to me at least is like when you have an adrenaline high for that long for 5 months you you form memories in this really weird way and they can come crashing back at you so quickly it's like i can't remember you know my dinner I just had with my wife and kids, but I can remember the exact taste of the steak sauce in Baghdad from 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I'm doing an issue where I'm like, this is close to the bone and close to things I've seen, close to awful things I've seen, it is kind of like i be like, ugh, I, maybe I just want Batman to punch somebody in the face, you know? Um, so it's different. That 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 interferes with whether I want to work on Sheriff that day or not.
0: Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Is it? I try. Is it? Is it helpful to work on it? I mean, I, I assume it must be.
1: It's helpful to turn it in. That's always helpful. Well, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm like, oh, I got through that. I accomplished something out of
0: it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't need this to be too deep or anything. I...
1: No, who wants to be deep? That's awful. I... My I... <laughs> first novel is about superheroes. And my first pitch to Vertigo was like about an old folks home. Uh, and then it was only like in desperation when I'm like, man, I gotta feed my family. I have to write about something people actually want. And I was like, hey, you know, I used to be in the CIA, Can I write about that. Yeah, yeah, let's go, Tom. All right, I'm in the building. <laughs> and so I always felt very guilty because I didn't want to write about that stuff. I didn't want to just take that experience that you know a lot of people went through and somehow turn it into cash. Somehow it's cheap. But mm-hmm. when you when you have kids and you want to be a writer, you're willing to be cheap at some point. And yeah, but hopefully, all,
0: I'm- but also like it's it's real, and that right there gives it. Credence. I think. When something is when something's real, it's it's genuine, it's sincere, then then it, it has value. Whether people are interested or not is a different thing, but uh, I'm gonna go ahead and say you don't have to worry about that. Thanks. I appreciate it. You're good. That. I you got you got my seal of approval. So so switching on the other side, uh, Mitch, you we we you have done lots of military stuff. I know that you are very, uh, aware of and, and, and want to be respectful of, of what that means. Now you're not, you didn't serve if I'm not correct. Right. That wasn't a thing.
2: Nope. Okay. Uh, I'm the, I am the only member in my family to not have served in some capacity, mm-hmm. but, uh, it's always just been, even ever since I was a little kid, um, especially the kind of the special operations side of stuff always really intrigued me and I was super into it. I would read books and stuff the idea of, it, it, it all harkens back to Batman, believe it or not. Um, it, it's the idea that a normal person can train themselves and get so good at something and do it you know, out of repetition uh, and be ready for any situation, be able to handle it without freaking out, be, be able to handle it super calmly because they know what they've been trained to do. And that's always intrigued me since I was a little kid.
0: And now, I mean, like you said, there are other other people in your family who were service members, and you were like, were you just like that's that's
2: not uh, that's not me? I say that, uh, you know, none of them were Rambo or anything. Sure, Um, I understand. (laughs) uh, Every Flanagan, but the
0: generation before me was in some branch of the military, and I cannot imagine myself in that situation. But I'm I'm fascinated by it in the same way. I think so. I'm just curious what your take is on it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think in some capacity, that was my option B, if Mm -hmm. art didn't work out. Uh, But I only say that in that option A had such a precedence for me being an artist and being in a creative field that option B went away very (laughs) early on. Like, I, I just knew option A was it.
0: And were your family like, you shouldn't do that? Or please go do that instead?
2: Uh, which option? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm saying, I'm, I'm saying, like,
0: like we don't, like, we're, get we're out of here. We're a military family, and I don't understand this RT Farty oh, shit no.
2: you're doing. Or I, I, and again, like, I'm not. I say they were all part of the military, but I would not say a military family. Gotcha. Um, my, my brother, my oldest brother Steve, was in the Air Force for he retired after 25 years, uh, the Air Reserves. That's,
0: that's pretty military still. Yeah. Um, when
2: you he, say he was a panicked on planes. Yeah. Electrician on planes, uh, and then my brother Greg, he was in the National Guard and just did his four years to pay for college, and then got the hell out. And then uh, my dad was in the army. Um, he, he doesn't. He wasn't during wartime, but he doesn't talk about it a ton. He's got funny stories, um, but yeah. So every, I guess my mom wasn't in the military, so
0: slacker. slacker. I know. Throw it in your face.
2: Yeah. So to say, you know, I'm part of a military family in that...
0: I'm going to go ahead and make that call.
2: They're connected to it, but I would not say we're, you know, I'm not a military brat or anything by any measure. Sure.
0: But, I mean, obviously it still made an impact on you in some way. Oh,
2: absolutely. You know, and because of those things, too, I just grew up with that respect. And I grew up around it enough where I really kind of... Looked up to these people who were doing far more than I was. Mm-hmm.
0: Did you find your? I don't want to say interest in it, but uh, your, I mean, did your involvement in the idea behind it change as you were sort of going through the activity and going through Punisher and now going through sh- like? Uh, it's almost like that that responsibility of doing it correctly keeps getting bigger and bigger because you 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 know more and more.
2: Absolutely, and a lot of it has to do with, you know, I, I was into all of this stuff, but. Mm-hmm. know reading Tom Clancy novels and Vince Flynn novels and playing splinter cell games and stuff like that but uh through doing the activity you know on all the way through Sheriff I got you know incredible opportunities to meet a lot of real special operations guys and real military people from all different branches so they were reading the books uh, yeah. Like, did they just that, reach that out was, to
0: you and be like, I, I was reading this book and I think it's rad. Yeah.
2: We got a ton. I mean, originally when the activity started out, it was going to be way more kind of science fiction. And it was going to be kind of mission impossible. And we were going to come up with all these crazy gadgets and, uh, in issue, I don't know, two or three or something. We had some sort of crazy gadget where a guy was driving a little, uh, drone thing with a Xbox controller and that was just our thing We're like oh that'd be cool and we got an email from someone in some branch of the military saying hey super cool you know that that was my job when i was over there blah blah blah. we're like what (laughs) like he's like oh yeah we rigged it up to an xbox controller and that's how i drove it we're like and i remember we sat down we're like oh the reality is so much more interesting than the stuff we were coming up with in our head so then the whole book just became about research and talking to guys and getting stories and uh, trying to do it as real as I could while keeping it as entertaining as I could, which is still a rule. I was a rule through Punisher and even Sheriff where, you know, I want to make it as real as I can. Sheriff probably even more so than anything, but I want to make it real as I can, but also make it entertaining as possible. So sometimes you have to fudge things here and there. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's funny because I tend to find that for the most part I am – as a reader, I'm not as interested in reading like the war we're in right now, which is wrong in a way because I should know about it. But I find it so – It's it feels like such a morass that I'm like, I don't, I don't know what this is. I'm just going to read about World War II. This seems much easier for me Dude, to same, deal I'm with. I'm
1: the same way, yeah. I agree with you. But you're writing yeah, it. <laughs> so I'm writing a crime series. That's, I mean, that's why yeah, I didn't write a war series. Of. I didn't write a bunch of soul. I, I, so I'm writing, I mean, it's supposed to be crime-ish. But I, I agree with you, and I, I fear that, because I'm not, sh- I, I get that sense of, like, if, if I saw this book on the shelves, would I pick it up? I'd be like, no, nah, this guy doesn't know what it was really like. I kind of dismiss it as that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like, you don't want to, when you go, like, I remember when Pride of Baghdad came out, from Brian, and you guys praised it to the hilts, and I yeah. bought it. And I was like, I never wanted to look at it. I was like, I don't, there's not a day that I want to spend a day in Baghdad instead sure. of a day in Metropolis sure. or Gotham. Um, so, but but so hopefully i mean I, at least we're aware of that fact and i try to make sure and that's the whole point sheriff it's because i feel people read those books and like oh this is going to be preachy this is just mm-hmm. going to be war as hell war sucks or it's going to be like republicans suck or liberals suck and i just don't, I don't want i don't want a message in my comics so i like i go in and knowing that being like i don't want this at all to be a message it's not about the politics this is not about the wmd or mission accomplished or any of that crap this is just about what the day-to-day of it was like this is just like if if it is 1942 and you're and. uh I mean, and there were some great war movies that were made during the war sure. um, so to make it like that where, where it's not about winners and losers but it's just about a good story that happens to take like, place in this insane place which by the way it, this war just happens to have gone on so, far, so effing long you know it was 12 years ago like when I was a kid and, and people were writing about Vietnam it was not It was just like three more years than that when yeah. uh, like Platoon came out and things like that so it seems like it's long enough now that we can look back on it and and it sucks that we still have to call it the current war, even though it's the, it was the war of the last
0: generation. I think we're just still dealing with it. We don't know what it is. We don't know. We don't have context. You can look at World War Two and you have a context. Oh, this is what happened afterwards. And we're right now we're still waiting for there to be an afterwards. So that's exactly right. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. Where is I? Like, I can't. It's hard for me to have a context for it and, and sort of what it means because I can't draw a conclusion because I don't have all the information. I guess. This is what I think about when I read war stuff, (laughs) and I say I know that you say it's not a war book, but it's still taking place in the the shadow of this thing that is you know is current then is current now and is is whatever.
2: Yeah, I know you're the the war. The war is the the time, and Baghdad is the place. But the thing I I love about the book so much is it's not a war book. It's a book telling a story about people, and the people are the most interesting part.
0: Now, what did you now? Now, Tom's been to Baghdad, and what have what have you have you have you been anywhere to like sort of research this, or is it mostly just getting pictures and stuff?
2: I live in Arizona, so I just go down the road. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's the same. That works. Yeah, people
0: asking for your papers at both places, so that's fine. (laughs)
2: That's no, uh, Tom. You know, will write like he said. He writes about places that he's been and places he remembers. Uh, So. He'll write that into the script, and sometimes he'll give me a description. Other times, he'll send along pictures or he'll just say, You know, this is the thing, look it up, do the work, dummy. Mm-hmm. But, uh, <laughs> I think,
1: but like, all the <laughs> time, like, they're in some place back there. Why don't you find it? Like, I don't have anything else to do. <laughs> Suck it. He writes it I'm in like, Arabic.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so then I just go into deep research mode and I start looking up pictures or. You know i have I have a couple guys who are actually uh, photographers there during that time period who have wow. been invaluable, who helped me out with stuff. and uh, yeah, I just do my research and sometimes it'll be like in the first issue, there's a, a a cafe that a scene takes place in, and that that's a real cafe. and it's it's funny because that's the cafe. Like anytime I talk about this book with someone who's been there, I mention that cafe, and they all know exactly what I'm talking about. but that cafe didn't exist like six months after when the book takes place. Mm-hmm. So 99% of the photos online are of the aftermath because, you know, that's the interesting part. Sure. So you, you get into this real deep research mode to find not only a location in Baghdad, but what it looked like 11, 12 years ago.
0: Let me, okay. I'm going to get away from this a little bit. Um, Mitch, when I, I feel like when I first saw your work, you were ha- you were in like a science fiction pulp thing, right?
2: Yeah, you're probably thinking of Johnny Recon. I am, I believe. I just couldn't remember the, the word of <laughs> Johnny it. Johnny
1: Recon. Wait a second, what don't I know?
2: <laughs> that was my first. Yeah, that was my first uh, foray into comic books. It was created by me and my friend who I've known since first grade, Scott Dillon, and that was kind of we we at first we just wanted to like oh we're super you know we're comic fans we want to make a comic book and then uh the graphic design job i had at the time for five six years uh let everyone in kind of my department go and so then johnny recon became less about oh let's just make a comic book too i'm going to use this as my avenue to see if i can get into that comic world mm-hmm. and uh yeah, but yeah, very different. Uh, it was basically Indiana Jones in space. Um,
0: <laughs> well, what I, what I was going to get to is that like when you started off on this in this comic book thing, or maybe even when you were younger. I mean, did you always want to draw comics, or, or I know that you did a bunch of illustration stuff, but was that like an ultimate goal for you?
2: Yeah, no. I comics were my goal since I was. I don't know how old my both my brothers, who are thirteen and fourteen years older than me. I idolized growing up, and they were both big comics fans, mm-hmm. and so I was always surrounded by comics. Like, I never had like a toy trucks phase because I only had my Batman and Superman figures, those ones that like hooked up to the cups from Burger King. Mm-hmm. Those were like my favorite toys in the world, <laughs> and uh, so I'd play with those all the time. Um, but yeah, I was surrounded by comics, loved comics, and then at some point, I. I feel like at a young age I had I had my head screwed on right to my shoulders. So at some point in my senior year of high school, I was like, I know how tough it is to get into comics, and I know I'm not ready yet. So I'm going to go into school looking for a different creative option where I get to draw and stuff. So I went for graphic design. And, and then... Uh, yeah, and then I got I got a job doing graphic design. I did uh, cereal boxes, uh, tricks and lucky charms and all that stuff. And it was super fun, but I started out in graphic design, and they saw me doodling Batman on every sheet of paper they ever gave me in a meeting. So eventually they moved me over to the illustration side. And then when that job went away, like I went right back to, I can either do graphic design again, or I can actually give comics a real shot. And it worked out.
0: So what did you who did you want to draw like when you were younger?
2: Oh, it's so funny. That's a great story because all my favorite artists, um, during my formative years are artists that I really don't care for a lot now. And oh, sure. I distinctly remember artists at that age who I just I despised. Like I remember saying terrible things about some artists when I was younger, being like, Oh, they're they're crap, blah blah and now they're like some of my all-time favorite artists. And like, I, I'll, I'll even name one name. When I was young, I hated John Paulione. I thought he was the worst. Like, I, I was a big Joe I, Maderea fan. I like, get I this. Wanted You're a little younger a big, than me because
0: yours are different, but yeah. I, I get
2: it. I was a big into, you know, kind of almost big, bombastic manga-influenced stuff. And, like, I remember seeing John Paulione in something, and I was just like, this is not, who is this guy? So were you trying now, to like, like is, that? Bar none, my all-time favorite artist, and we're lucky enough to have him on our book.
0: <laughs> well, were you? I mean, were you trying to draw like Joe Maderer? Were you trying to draw like J. Scott Campbell? And can
2: Back you do then. that? Back then, I was like, mm-hmm. if you look at really early Johnny Recon stuff, it's super cartoony. Uh, <laughs> it's it's really fun to look at. Did you? But, uh, I mean, are
0: you? Is it a thing where though, like, you're able to do that? Are you just you just don't
2: like that's or or did you fall into your style? And that, I, to a degree, I th- I think, I mean I was still like all the way up to activity. I was I would say fairly. I hate you know everyone hates this term cartoony, yeah. and uh, I think with activity it just it didn't fit what we were doing. Mm-hmm. So I changed it up.
0: Okay, that's good. I and guess you did illustration. I, and, I guess yeah. you did illustration graphic design. You should be able to do more than one thing in that way.
2: Well, yeah, um, it was all over the place for that job.
0: I had the same thing where uh, this okay this is this is embarrassing okay so I I like I remember when I was sort of first learning about comics I you know I heard Jack Kirby's name and I thought well, that's ugly I don't like that and I was had to be much I didn't know comics much better and be older and, and to understand the sort of the context of what it was and now I'm like oh no I was wrong he invented everything and he's the greatest ever or or Bill Sienkiewicz is another one I remember Yeah oh, I yeah. I remember yeah. Elektra Assassin – yeah, yeah, or, yeah, or yeah, I remember like somebody gave me Electro Assassin, like, this is amazing, and I was like, what are you talking about? Look at this, it's a mess.
2: I remember looking at Dark Knight Returns and being like, this is not my jam, I do not like this. Yeah. And just today I was drooling over that new Graffiti Designs uh, mm-hmm. gallery edition of it. So gorgeous. Well, I mean,
0: that's one of the things that's really fun about comics for me, is sort of the education of what it is that works. I mean, Tom. Did you you always did you always want to do comics? Was that your thing? I mean, you were working for Vertigo as an intern forever ago, before all before all the shit went down. Yeah, I, is that how I, you I refer have, to it? The shit when it went down. The shit went down. Yeah, that. I yeah, was, that. that I was, yeah, no, I always wanted to
1: do comics for was, but I was I was of the family. Like my mother was a very typical Jewish mother. Was like very doctor or lawyer, and she was. I grew up in L.A., which, and she worked for this movie studios. So I was sort of surrounded, and my father was a wannabe writer who, fail, who couldn't do it. And I, the idea of working in a creative profession was always, in my household, was like, you you will fail. It was kind of like, it's like winning the lottery. Like, no matter how talented you are, you will certainly fail. Whereas if you become a lawyer, all you have to do is just study hard enough, and eventually you become a lawyer. I was like, oh, Unless okay. you become a blind lawyer. Unless you become you can do both. Uh that's my take on Daredevil. He's just <laughs> He's in it cuz his mom nagged him too much.
0: Steve. <laughs> she was Catholic. She was she was like, uh, uh
1: so um yeah, but I wanted to do comics forever uh but I was I was honestly scared to be a I, I think I, I I thought it was impossible to break in, so I I was And then when I got into comics like when I was like the time to like okay, become a comic professional and I graduated from college, which is uh uh, the early aughts comics had died they, they, they were dead like everyone's, they there like yeah they're like this is like um i mean i, I literally talked to bob harris who was, who was still my boss and he was at marvel at the time and he's like yeah we're, we're closing up in six months you know <laughs> Like we're all going down uh and i was like oh okay uh I guess this is not over for me. So I, I was in the Justice Department, uh, applying for law school when 9/11 happened. I went to the CIA, and so then when I left CIA, it was kind of coming back to be like, okay, I'm going to take a year and see if I can embrace that childhood dream in a sort of 30 year old, you know, midlife. It's not hopefully not midlife, but some sort of crisis.
0: That's a that's a hell of a leap to make. Then, and I, and I remember, like, I mean, one of my own sort of failings is that, like, at a certain point, I was like, well, I guess I'm too old to do this, and, I, and that was wrong cuz that's ridiculous. Yeah, I know, I, yeah. I know it absolutely is, but you know, that you, you you acquire responsibilities and things like that, so it makes risks like that harder. But, yes. But and you've also got to have a hell of a I mean, you basically you've got to ignore the shit out of your mother in your head to be like <laughs> I can make this work because it's it's, you know, at this point becoming a professional comic book writer is pretty much the same as, as you know, making the NFL. I mean
1: That's a lot of, there's a lot more professional football players than professional bas- comics. Yeah,
0: basically, writers. yeah.
1: I think there's like less than a hundred of us, and who actually work full time. It's a ridiculously small community. Um, so it's it's yeah, but but once you get in, the, the pace is pretty good. It's better than novels.
0: Nice, <laughs> nice work. Yeah, it's like very nice work. If you can get it. At what point were you like, holy shit, this is gonna work? Uh, like three months ago, I think. <laughs> I was...
1: <laughs> I mean, when, when Omega, I got the offer for Omega Man, because I already had, I was half writing Grayson, because I was co-writing with Tim Seeley, uh, and we were, we were writing every other issue, and then they called Omega Man, and they're like, we want you to do another series, I was like, oh, I have my own series, and that's a one and a half series, I was like, okay, I think I can get this, then this is done, and then, then t- Tim, Tim Seeley told me, he's like, as a writer, you want to have four series, and you want to be writing four things, and you're officially a writer, um, Jeez. which is awful, but uh, so when I, when I acquired four things for one day, I was like, "Yay, I'm really a writer. And then I realized I had taken on way too much. And then I was like, now I want to kill. Uh, yeah. Vision was what changed my career. Vision changed everything. That was a yeah.
0: big break. Yeah. How did that, I, like, where did that come from? Was that, you know, the, can you pitch vision for us? Or were you like, I had a, a burning vision story in me?
1: No, I had absolutely not have a I Omega Man and Grayson had come out, and Omega no nobody reads Omega Man to this day. You know, like four people pick it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I appreciate all four of them, wonderful people. And um, one guy buys two copies, so <laughs> <laughs> I see him at every con. He only lets me sign one. This is mine. Uh, yeah. So, but and then the Marvel editor reached out to me and is like. Uh, Will Moss, who's the best, one of the best editors in comics, yeah. reached out to me and was and was like, he was, and he said, um, I have we have a character in Marvel who's we think is perfect for you, and, and I, I I was like, okay, it's gonna be Winter Soldier. Like I'm former CIA. I write Grayson, which is a sidekick who became a spy. So it's gonna be Winter Soldier. I get it, no problem. And then they're like, it's Vision. I'm <laughs> so like, like yeah, bit what? Uh, and, then you, and, you know, cause just because you're a nerd, and I was an Avengers nerd growing up, so, like, I had read enough Vision comics that I could totally fake it. So, I was like, yeah, I love Vision! He's, like, my favorite Avenger! Like, he was key to the West Coast Avengers, you
0: know? <laughs> <laughs> you are just him. popping bubbles all over the place about how this works. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, so, um, but... I, I was—I I grew up as a Marvel zombie, and so he could have said, you know, I want you to write... Um, I don't know. It's funny, because in Marvel, you used to think of the worst characters. Like, you could have run Howard the Duck and Squirrel Girl, but now they're, like, huge hit series, so maybe that, there's not, like, a... You could write... I want you to write Fantastic Four. Oh, and will never work! <laughs> uh, uh, but, yeah, he could have said anything, and I would have said, that's my favorite character ever. So uh, I was like, yeah, so then... Yeah, so the pitch with Vision was just, like... I. I was like, do you want him in space? Do you want sci fi vision? They, 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 they say they want a sci fi. I was like, vision in space? He's a silver surfer? No, he's, he's got to be on Earth. On Earth, but sci fi. So I was like, okay, so it'll be like a brighter Frankenstein thing, but that's boring because Bright Frankenstein's been done. So I was like, okay, well, he's Bright of Frankenstein with two kids and he lives in the suburbs. And as someone who has three kids and a wife and is sort of trying to live a normal life while having a bizarre job, I was like, okay, I can go myself into that. <laughs> and, uh, and I used a voice, again, that I stole from. Uh, I, I stole from old Sandman comics this sort of a third-person omniscient voice that hadn't been used for a while, which used to be used all the time in the f- '60s and '70s, mm-hmm. and uh, and it, it hit some chord and people really really liked it, and that's when sort of Marvel and DC sort of sat up and said, oh, this guy uh, one-hit wonder he actually knows how to put some words together, and that's when everything opened up.
0: Well, now you've just got to do it again all the time for the rest of your life.
1: Yeah, that's it. That's all I have to do. I have no idea. It boggles my mind, like that Bendis has written story after story after story. I already find myself stealing from myself and being like, oh, I did that already. I have no. Idea. <laughs> they you all. Know,
0: do. I, Everybody does that. That's what I'm convinced of.
1: To, you know he constantly where where a hero like knocks the ground, and I have like five panels of him pulling himself up. You know, horribly injured but still fighting to the end. I, I did it over and over and over again. I was like, I love this. I can't get enough of it.
0: Neil Gaiman just wrote the same story about a god among us for like 15 years yes, and they love him for it so don't <laughs> no, don't I'm
1: doing okay Vision Omega and Sheriff i are some sort of trilogy I haven't come up with a name for it but like the first 12 of those things would so all be a complete stories of 12 issues and there's something like it's all, all three of them are something about a guy who, sort, who very innocently and optimistically goes into a situation uh, thinking it's going to go great and then it goes horribly wrong and he's thinks the world is a more complicated place. <laughs> it's like such an obvious metaphor for my experience in yeah. the CIA or life or whatever. But definitely there's a theme to what I write. Unconscious, but I didn't mean it to be that way.
0: It just came out. Oh no, I, th- I think people do that. It's just It's almost like you wish you didn't recognize it, I think. Oh, look what I keep trying to explore. Shit. That's right. <laughs> Mitch, who do you steal from? <laughs> <laughs> real question though like where's the thing that, that you were like that works and I'm going to use
2: that um let's see I know I know something that I'm trying to learn better because I don't feel like I'm very good at it I'll but take that John Paul Leone always does those great overhead angle shots mm-hmm. and so uh, there's been a few instances I think I just did two of them and the issue I'm working on at Sheriff now I, I, But I was
1: going to say I saw in my inbox
2: yesterday yeah but uh, just kind of learning that learning that angle so I've definitely been chopping at his angle bit there.
0: Now I know that we have to wrap up relatively soon, so I wanna. I'm. <clears throat> oh, I just had a question. It went away. Uh, in that in that same frame, like when you're reading, like you're both you're both former or current. I don't know fanboys for for lack of a better. I hate the name of my website. Um, <laughs> I, no, I, I mean, but like. As, I in front of it. So yeah, funny. I know. Yeah, because we came out of the, around the time of the iMac. That's how old I am, um, and the iPod when that was a new thing. Um, that's a true story. Um, like, can you still read books in the same way, or is it all like analysis?
2: Oh no, I, I still, I still pick up all my books on Wednesday and really? read them like I did when I was a kid. Yep. Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm the same. I went through, when I was at Marvel, my job at Marvel was to read every single comic book that came out cool. and discuss it with Chris Claremont so he could sort of yell at it. Because uh, yeah. he was the creative director, so he was like in charge of looking at the whole line, and I was kind of just an idea cool. bouncer. And I remember at one point I was like, oh, I see The Matrix. I could see the formula of comic books. Um where it was like every Marvel, it had to be there had to be an action scene for the first four pages, and then you had four pages of someone explaining what the action scene was about, and then you had a second action scene, and you had it was like I was like, oh, it's this exact same thing again and again. They keep doing it, uh, and then I couldn't read comics for for like a few years. But somehow being in them, yeah, I read them just for fun. That's a long answer, sorry.
0: No, that's a good answer. I like that. So, do you have you taken on that formula, or do you actively uh, go against it?
1: Uh, I don't use. That retro, I've never used that retro formula, that that like, let's have an action scene, and the action scene turns out to be a flashback. I don't think I've used that one yet, because I I just like, it it brings up bad memories for me. There's PTSD, comic book intern in PTSD.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to ask about Claremont. Did you learn from Claremont?
1: I learned a ton from Claremont. I think about Claremont a lot, yeah. I think about him... I'm doing Batman now, and I think about him a lot, because I remember, he's, I've said this before, but it's. But um, he was talking about Star Trek and why Star Trek is so much fun to write, and it's because he's like, Kirk's brain is on the outside. He's like, his logical part of his brain is Spock, and his emotional part of his brain is McCoy. And, they are, and them arguing is just his id arguing with his super ego, and he's the ego. And I was like, I never, I never, I always thought of those as being like separate characters, not as like functions of how to make the... Um, how to get across an idea in, in a minimum sort of way with, with avoiding the exposition of having Kirk be like, wow, I think this, I think that, I'm trying to make decisions. Instead of him thinking, you have these two guys arguing behind him with his thoughts. Um, and, I, and in Batman, where you have Alfred and Duke Thomas, who's the new sort of Robin esque figure, um, and Gordon, they, they serve the same purpose. Like they're all sort of like outside of Batman's brain, and they're a way to get exposition across to the reader without having Batman just explain crap to you. Mm-hmm. So I still use that Claremont stuff. Huh.
0: I mean, I, I can't imagine you could spend any you can't spend some that much time around a guy like that who has done that much significant work and not just suck in a lot of something. <laughs> oh
1: yeah, that that was the best training because I mean just, I sat there and he just went off on his sort of theories of storytelling and however because you he, he, I mean he just he was writing that Fantastic Four back then he sort of was going off on, like, what people were doing wrong in terms of the modern stuff and, and what people were doing right, and yeah, it was it was utterly fat. He had lots of opinions on, like, every comic book has to be a first, your first comic and all that crap, so. Um, so I learned a ton. Of, okay, doesn't remember me, but I learned a ton. Of- <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> love that about old comic guys. I had this, like, like thought that Stan <laughs> Lee would remember me once, and I was like, it's never gonna <laughs> happen. <laughs>
2: I'm sure. I'm sure you
0: remember. I've met you a half a dozen times. Well, like at least in that time, I thought from like a couple times in one year he might, and it was just like no, no. But I, I don't blame him. He's met more people than I've even come into contact with in my life, so that's fine. Um,
1: I, I barely know Mitch. <laughs>
0: I get it. Well, it's yeah. funny that the way that like comics, the way that comics work now is, I mean, there's, there's shows, but there's so much of it's online. Like I don't actually know any, most people's faces. Like if you walked up to me and you're somebody I talk to regularly online, I, I won't know your face. I've had that happen. And people are like, You didn't even recognize me. I was like, you're
2: it, not it's an a avatar. Weird thing. <laughs> it's a weird thing in that in, in this kind of era of social media. Like I remember uh, you know, the the, the comic, comic tour thing I was a part of, mm-hmm. you know, all all those guys and I remember, you know, talking to Chris Somney like all the time and emailing him all the time. And then uh I was at a, a show, I think it was an Emerald City show. And he was there, and he like came up and hugged me, and we started talking, and like, oh, you know, I'll see you later. He walks away, and I'm like, wait a minute, that's the first time I've ever met this guy, and we just like yeah. acted like we had been friends for years. We
0: did the same thing with you. You yeah. came to the show here, and I was like, I guess we'll hang out, and then I was like, this could be yep. awkward. Okay, and it's he bought fine. Me and my
2: wife donuts.
0: That's right. That's how I that's how I meet everybody. <laughs> Tom, I've never bought you a donut, but I'll, I'll remedy that. Yeah, at some I see point. how it is. I see how it is. Come to New Hampshire. I mean, it's not. It's not like rocket science. Let me. uh I, I kind of want to wrap, but I do have a question. um It's it's for Tom. I'm sorry, Mitch. um all right. I, Score.
1: By the way, I used to know comic people because I used to watch my like fanboy convention videos that you slackers don't make anymore. so yeah. it's a whole generation of people
0: <laughs> who don't know because of you. Turns out the pay is shit. Uh, oh what? <laughs> <laughs> I You are raking it in, you friends Stanley and stuff. I don't oh know. yeah. Oh, it's huge. Yeah. <laughs> great. Uh, the two kids of mine, really, that that would have worked out great for it. Uh, <laughs> I can tell you, I, when we were at the height of our iFanboy popularity, and my wife was pregnant, and I had a panic attack because of all the stuff we had to buy. I was like, this isn't going to work. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why. Um, yeah, go ahead. Batman. Um, so yes. you were writing Batman, which to me, feels incomprehensibly huge, in that People have been writing Batman for, Christ, eighty years now. Yeah. How do you, how do you approach that with with a thing that feels like, like it's unique, like it's you? I cry a lot. Yeah. Uh, uh. <laughs> Batman doesn't
2: cry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> much like Batman. Cry.
0: Um, I don't know. Yes,
1: there's so many things that scare me about Batman. Year One was four issues, I think, but that constantly. Like, I've already written five issues. I was like, I haven't written Year One. What the <laughs> fuck was I doing? You know?
0: That wasn't the first thing Frank Miller did.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was, like, the second Batman. He was, and he was also, like, <laughs> five years younger than I currently am. So, um, yeah, it, it's horribly intimidating. I, I try to take it in stride and just, I mean, I remember I got the Batman gig, or they offered it to me, and I sort of had an idea for what Batman number one would be. And I hadn't said yes to it yet. And I just, like, wrote Batman number 1, like, in one night. Um, and, and and then I was like, I should send this off to the editor. And I was like, no, 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 you haven't signed a contract yet. They'll see it and hate it, and you'll just pull a remote job. they like, oh, I've said it. And, uh, and they, liked, they liked Batman number 1, like, this is perfect. So I was like, okay, well, I'll just cling to the fact that at least I have one issue in, and I'll move on from there. And then, like, like 2 was very hard to write. Um, there was a big gap. And then I and then sort of started, okay, this has to be a comic book. It just has to be... Fun. You sort of as you write it, you find the moments you cling to. And I'm sort of seeing like what what's interesting for me in it and what makes it cool. And, and you, you, you basically like what do I like about small things and you emphasize those things. Like I, like when I watch a James Bond movie, I, I don't like the big action scenes. I like the little parts where he's like you know fixing his cuffs. He gets on the train or whatever. So like I look for those like little fun moments where people can laugh. And Batman emphasizes those. So
0: you're um. having fun with it now.
1: I'm almost having fun with it. Yeah. I'm like close, close to having fun with it. <laughs> it helps if Finch is drawing the crap out of it. I mean, that's nice. It's nice to see. And Jordy on colors. Yeah, like, yeah, Geordie's on colors, who first co- um, who colored my first comic ever, Geordie Belair, who did does Vision who else? Um, so it's and then John
0: Workman is on letters. Oh, it's a win. Yeah, well, so I'm I, I, in I, now. That it took all that other stuff's fine. I was workman, well there's something.
1: Well, that was one of the things when I went to them because um, and they're, they're like they're you on on Batman?" I was like well and with Finch I was like well can I choose the rest of the team I was like I want Jordy and John on this and they said okay I was like alright well now I gotta be in because it'll be beautiful because John, John and I had done this little story for Verdict the one I'm, that I got the Eisner nomination for and it was just the best lettering I've ever had and we tried to get on Sheriff and we couldn't um, so I was like okay well if we can do that and Jordy's just perfect with colors so yeah Awesome. Yeah, yeah, Batman it's I'm, I'm doing it without inner monologue. inner monologue that helps differentiate me. Not a lot of people have done Batman without inner monologue. it's a nice way to start off. You're just sort of okay, this is gonna differentiate me right from the beginning. Like he doesn't talk to himself.
0: That's awesome. Because if there was one thing I remember about the all the first issues from the new fifty two, which is that like ninety percent of them were just inner monologue trying to explain everything that was going on, it was driving me nuts.
1: Yeah, I, I don't I haven't used it. It's a it's a plague on comics like you inner monologue.
0: Yeah, I think so.
1: So, uh, I mean, Brubaker does it better than I could ever hope.
0: <laughs> if you do it really well, it's fine. But most people, most people, not so much. Um, well, it sounds like things are going pretty awesome. Mitch, are you are you having fun? I'm having a ton of fun. Are like, you Because it's a grim book.
2: No joke. Like I'm crazy proud of this book and every issue. You know, it's it's tough to say some of the topics we're dealing with are fun. Sure. But I do enjoy working on it, and I. I really enjoy working with tom
0: and uh well we, he won't he won't say what he feels about anyways no <laughs> <laughs> well no but we
2: should mitch
1: is trying to do 12 issues in 12 months which is unprecedented comics these days so like so we should go a, a guinness world records of modern comics <laughs> <laughs> good
0: lord and
1: 22 pages because these ain't no slack off issues
0: you know Kirby's contract used to be fifteen pages a week just saying he was in his 60s. Oh man, although he didn't ink it. You do all the stuff, so it's fine. Well, uh, I, I dig the work um, and th- like obviously, I like both of you guys a lot, but I, I dig the work and uh, I think it's really cool to see to see both of you like finding all this success, so uh, it's uh, it's a lot of fun and, and I want to see more. So well, thank up. you. All right, well, thanks very much, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. And there you have it. Uh, I want to thank Tom and Mitch again. That was super fun. I like those guys a lot. They do good work. Uh, If you want to comment on this show, you can go to ifanboy.com. You can do that under there or Share it on the social networks, whatever it is you want to do. Make sure and check out Tom and Mitch over on uh, on the Twitter as well. And thanks very much, and, uh, you know, we'll see you every Sunday for our Pick of the Week show. Maybe there'll be another one of these. I don't know. I'm not promising anything, but, you know, it could happen. Keep the dream alive.